0: Hello to you, and welcome to the Motivation Podcast from motivateyourself.co.uk. I'm Richard Nichols, and I'm here to guide, to teach, and to motivate you to be the best you can be. Well, then, thanks for tuning in. Can we still say that? Tuning in when it's not live? Well, thanks for downloading/slash streaming me. Basically, thanks for listening. Today's episode is going to be as light-hearted as I can possibly make it and what I want to talk about today is how to deal with bereavement and I want to cover this from a few different angles, not just for dealing with your own loss but other people's too because even with just a small circle of close friends it's still far more likely that it's someone else's grief rather than your own that comes up in life and... Bear in mind that it's not just people that we grieve for. I've had clients that will talk about how they were, um, they were more upset when their dog died than when their parents died. The process is still the same. The reasons to be upset and the reminders that create these, these waves of, of grief are all the same. There's a stimulus and a response. Whether the stimulus is a half-empty box of Bonio dog biscuits or someone's favourite mug, it's still going to make the brain kick off in some respect. And what's really important to understand from every perspective, whether you're trying to be a supporting friend or you're a grieving widow, it's important to understand the rules of grieving, of which there is only one, and that is that there are no rules. There are no specific stages that we're supposed to go through one by one. I don't know, people will often quote Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's five stages of grief, and I think it's useful to have an understanding of them, even though they are certainly not set in stone. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was a Swiss psychiatrist and was one of the first to really look into near-death experiences, but is far more famous because of her book On Death and Dying in 1969, where she wrote about her theory of these five stages of grief that she observed people went through. It has stood the test of time, although we realise that not every stage has to be gone through, and there certainly is no order to it, and people will usually jump backwards and forwards through these stages. So, these five stages are, in no particular order, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And so sometimes people use the acronym acronym DABDA, but probably only because it sounds better than bad dad, I don't know. Uh, But this isn't just reserved for people and pets. These same stages exist when losing a job, moving house, watching your children grow up. Our brain doesn't like change and it will put up a fight. I don't want to sound as if I'm belittling or dehumanising grief, because there's there's a lot more to it than just a neurological chemical change in the brain. Because it's how we think, how we feel and deal with those effects. That is grief. Now, the first of Kubler-Ross's stages is denial. Clinging on to some preferred reality, whether that's for a moment or for a day. It can often be longer than is healthy if someone dies unexpectedly. When someone says, but I only saw them yesterday and they were fine, that's denial. And like I say, it can only be for a moment before your intelligence kicks in and you jump straight to, maybe if you're lucky, the last stage of acceptance. Or in extremely emotional cases, it can go on for a long time. And evidence to the contrary is ignored with a vigorous shaking of the head, like the um, oh, the Catherine Tate character, was it Binty or Bunty? Something like that. Did you watch that? The majorette in the Doncaster Spinners that, despite being in her 30s, refuses to admit she's too old to spin batons with 11-year-olds. If something means a lot to us, we aren't going to let it go in a hurry. So even if it's for a second, we can probably accept that denial comes first. And the middle three of anger, bargaining and depression could jump all over the place. And denial might even pop back in for a bit. The bargaining part of the supposed stages is a funny one and highlights that grieving is a process not just for dealing with someone dying but when someone is made redundant or a relationship comes to an end. That's a biggie. The issue with grieving for a relationship is the conscious knowledge that the other person is still alive. They're right there on the end of a phone or a Facebook feed. You know where they are. You know exactly where they are probably and that's When we get stuck in grief. Maybe in any of Kubler-Rossi's first four stages. uh, Denial. Oh yes. I had a girlfriend once who was definitely stuck there when we split up. Bless her. Anger. You know. I've dealt with clients who can be stuck at anger for decades. It's not good for us. But probably better than the other D in Dabda. Depression. Now what I mean by depression is not necessarily clinical depression this would be reactive depression and doesn't need dealing with properly if someone's stuck there. They are entwined with each other reactive and clinical depression as they can influence each other but it is important to see the differences. Reactive depression is when you're feeling the way that you're feeling because you're reacting to something that's happened. Clinical depression is when the brain has forgotten how to feel any other way and they do need treating in different ways. In most cases, reactive depression probably needs more talk therapy, and clinical depression needs more medication. They may may well both need therapy and medication, but everyone's individual, and you can't treat every reason for depression in the same way. And also, not every talk therapy is right for grief. New grief, dealing with something that has only just happened, that's the that's the domain of the bereavement counsellor really. But old grief, when someone's stuck, they may well need CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, or person-centred counselling to learn to unravel or move on, whichever someone feels that they need. But you don't have to be a therapist to be supportive to someone going through something like this. The worst thing you can probably do is run away from someone who needs help because, because you don't know what to do or say. and. If that crops up in life, be honest. If a friend is struggling and is in pain, then tell them, I don't know what to do or say. Be honest with them. But say, I want you to know I'm here for you. Make sure you keep in touch. Ask them how they feel. If they've been through similar experiences uh, themselves, people are tempted to say, I know how you feel. You don't. Not at that moment. You don't quite know how they feel right at that moment, because grief can jump all over the place, as I say. One day it's anger, the next it's denial again. And if they try to bite your head off, don't take it personally. If you've been through it yourself, say that. Show them that you got through it. That there'll be a point in their future that they'll look back and say, you know, that was a crappy time and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. But I've moved on from it. Don't be afraid to ask someone how they're feeling. And that's the same for any emotional or mental health issue. There's nothing wrong in saying, Hey, how have you been lately? I think people on the outside of someone else's depression don't like talking about it because they feel as if, in bringing it up, it means they're then supposed to be responsible for making the other person happier again. That they must have some magic piece of wisdom to impart. And it's okay if you don't. If you bump into someone in a supermarket whose wife has just died and there's a weird, awkward silence... Don't let it hang there, say, I heard your wife died, so sorry, that's the truth. And it shows them that you are open to talking about it. More than likely, everyone else they bump into will be too scared to. And if they don't want to talk, respect that. There's a time for it. And if they aren't ready, then don't press them. Saying, hey, it's been a week now and you've not spoken about it. You should let this out. You can't tell someone what to do. And definitely avoid saying anything that begins with, you should. It's far better to ask rather than tell. Hey, you might be right, maybe they should be talking about it, but by saying, have you thought about opening up to someone? It comes from a place of respect and understanding. If they do open up, don't be surprised if they want to talk about the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe how that person died. They keep bringing it up or what they wish they'd done differently, that's okay. Hopefully every time they do, it gets easier for them to process it, until it has less of an emotional effect. Let them talk about their spiritual beliefs, if they have any, but obviously don't assume that they do. Nothing worse than saying, well, they're in a better place now. Over half of the people in the UK don't have any religious beliefs at all. And I know spirituality is slightly different to religion, but still, don't assume. To me, grief is a part of love. You can't have one without the other. But if someone is grieving, maybe you are. Chances are someone listening to this right now is going through a difficult time. And that's that's because you had someone in your life that you cared about enough to feel this way when they've gone. And the alternative is to never love, to protect you from the pain of losing them. And I've met plenty of people like that, and believe me, they are not happy that they feel that way. Yes, the pain of losing someone is hard, but the joy of having them in your life in the first place shouldn't be overshadowed. Now, I've tried to keep the episode as light-hearted as I can. I know this is a tricky subject, but so many people have asked me to make an episode that touches on it. And it's very specialist. There are podcast series and books all about loss and bereavement and I'm not here to replace them at all. My series is far too eclectic for that. But in making an eclectic, mixed bag of life, the universe and everything sort of podcast, I can't ignore the sadder side to life. Especially as death and dying is a bit of a taboo in society. Even though it literally, literally touches us all at some point, one way or another. We don't want people to live forever. Not ourselves, not our loved ones. If we knew we had unlimited time, we'd never do anything because we put everything off for another day knowing that we've got all the time in the world. I've just finished writing a book and believe me, in many walks of life, deadlines are important. Speaking of deadlines, I've been told many times that between 12 and 15 minutes is probably best for these episodes. And look at the time. That's 12 minutes and a bit. So it's probably uh, probably best I ought to be going, isn't it? So please, please do keep in touch, though, throughout the month. I know I certainly will. If you subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on Facebook at Motivate Yourself Podcast or Twitter at Richard Nichols, then I'll definitely be in your face in between my episodes. And if you don't, then that's fine too. But you'll have to wait till next month before you hear from me. So have a good October and I'll speak to you next time. Take care.